0: to doing the most. The series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Please note, all season one episodes were previously recorded for our video series. Today, we have Corey Steadman, the CTO of Node Capital, here on the Doing the Most web series, focusing on the misadventures of entrepreneurship. Node Capital is a company that mixes data science and cryptocurrency to figure out the best trends, and um, Corey's gonna dive in a little bit more into that. So Corey, welcome to the show. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Hi, Georgie, Um, thanks for having me. First and foremost. Definitely. Um, so, I'm the CTO of Road Capital. Um, I'm behind um, one of our products that we're pitching, or we're, um, we're working on right now, which is Pouch. It's an accounting software for cryptocurrency. So, think of QuickBooks and a typical cryptocurrency wallet like Exodus put together. Mm-hmm. So, you're able to um, label your transactions annotate the transactions um, and roughly figure out your tax obligation based off of the purchases based on cryptocurrency. So that's what we're working on right now. And that's, and that's the main product that I've been working on um, at node capital. Nice. So you
0: told us kind of a little bit about what it is and what it does. What's the purpose of it? Like, why is this important? Why does something like <clears throat> node capital need to exist?
1: So, What's happening is that um, even though in computer years, nine, eight, nine, 10 years is a long time, in the context of finance, it's actually just a blip on the map. And Mm -hmm. I say that in regards to cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency in concept came around in 2008, but in actual um, execution in 2009. And But the financial markets have been around since, you know, hundreds of years. Definitely. And what it has done is, at the very least, it's created a conversation as to what we consider to be money and value and how we transfer value to one another. It really mm-hmm. defines how we interact with one another on a financial level. And so, typically, before we had Excel and QuickBooks, people would write in ledgers. Uh, (laughs) to to reconcile, uh, you know, their their books and their balances. And, you know, legends are great, but they're not efficient, you know. They they get destroyed, you know, they get marked up, you need to rip out paper. It's better to do it digitally. But Excel is not efficient enough, and that's where QuickBooks comes into play. Right now, in regards to the cryptocurrency space, We are at the ledger area, where even though we're dealing with a digital um, currency, in regards to the tools to really manage and track Mm -hmm. it, as if it was USD or British pounds or euros or yen, we don't really have that. And that's what Node Capital is looking to do, bring those kind of tools to really standardize and make um, financial institutions or established, establish people in the finance, financial industry more comfortable handling and dealing with it and actually making it more uh, tangible in a sense for them to utilize.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I know um, I personally currently don't own any cryptocurrency, right? And there, there's a lot um, of features to do with that, right? I don't understand too much about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to learn, trying to teach myself, and then the, the process of buying and just you know spending right buying and spending so for node capital who's your target right now is it more so people who are more advanced in the cryptocurrency field is it for everybody for beginners like what is the education behind it what is the the for the people that will be using this platform that would think oh my god this is great i could see as like an early adapter of many things i can see this is definitely important but right now when you guys are um marketing and when you guys are looking for investors, who are the people that's going to be there, um first on the platform,
1: kind of using it? So initially we're targeting VC firms, um, banks, mm-hmm. accounting firms, accounting departments within large companies, law firms, um, uh, government agencies as well.
0: Anyone that has
1: to deal with reconciliation of cryptocurrency. So in regards to government agencies, there's some states that are accepting Bitcoin or Litecoin as a form of tax payment That's huge, um, but how are they going to store it? Or how are they going to reconcile it? So you need a software to, uh, to deal with that. A lot of VC firms typically, they go for equity deals um, and you know, they see the return in like seven, eight years. Whereas now, what they're starting to do is get into the ICO space, which gives them a lot faster turnaround. But then if you're dealing with all these different ICOs, all these different tokens, how are you storing them? How are you managing them? Um, and so that's where it comes into play as well. So for right now, we're dealing with the enterprise level. However, um, later on, we're going to have more consumer-friendly, um, you know, just a regular person um, version that will um, cater to just the average person.
0: Awesome, awesome. You know, I'm really excited to see how it grows for you and what happens. But as the show is named, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship, right? It sounds like you're doing really great stuff and you're, you know, on good track right now with no Capital. But I want to talk a little bit more about what got you to the Node Capital point. Um, I met Corey about four years ago? Uh, you think it's more than that? I don't know. I think like
1: 2014?
0: yeah 2014
1: 2013
0: yeah yeah about to hit up on 2019 yeah yeah so about four years ago we met and you came into my network through caribbeans in tech and entrepreneurship so that's a site collective right that i have that focuses on connecting caribbean innovators techies entrepreneurs from the diaspora to one another whether they're in the u.s or whether they're aboard Right. And um, you came to that collective when you first came, you did one of our early pitch nights and talk a little bit more about what you pitched at that first uh, pitch night
1: and how that product is going. So basically I pitched um, a product called That Period. And what it is, mm-hmm. is essentially um, cable over the Internet. So think of your Comcast or your Cablevision or your Verizon television service. But instead of it coming over Coax, it comes over the Internet. Um, over your ethernet. And the premise behind it was that not only would we have local channels, but have but allow users to access channels overseas as well, straight from the comfort of their um, of their living room at a fraction of the cost. So typically when you pay for television you're paying, I don't know, $80 a month or maybe $50 a month, whereas mm-hmm. what we were going to offer was up to 12 channels for free and then 5 or $10 a month um, to get up to 60 channels, and then an additional fee to get international channels as well. Um, the unique premise behind it was that we had a unique um, storage mechanism, and I was applying for a patent to organize channels globally, which I was awarded this year. So- Congratulations on the
0: patent. What was that and- journey like?
1: Talk a little bit about the misadventures of that. <laughs> so that is, um, it's a learning experience. You have to go through it. Um, so that, that's, my, that's the preface. You have to go through the, the, the hiccups and the obstacles and the, you have to go through it um, because good sailors are not made in calm waters you know. Mm-mm. So one of the first things that happened was I hired a team to to work on it and they wrote a lot of the back end in Spanish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa okay okay that that is surely oh snap my camera That that is surely a misadventure. All right Spanish um, um
1: Do you speak Spanish or understand Spanish, Corey? Well, I can read a little bit of Spanish, but Spanish is that one And I was quite vexed about it. And um, this guy was like, it's no big deal, blah, blah, blah. And when I was bringing on other developers, I was wondering why they didn't want to really work on it, even though I'm paying them. And it's like one of them told me like, yo, do you know you know, this shit is in Spanish. (laughs) I was, I was vexed. Like, we spent months. And the thing is, it's like, when I tell people about entrepreneurship is that, you know, there's different levels to being a human. You know, you have a baby, toddler, child, preteen, teen, young adult, adult. Entrepreneurship is like, the highest form of being an adult which means that you have to be like all the responsibilities assigned to us as adults you have to multiply that exponentially when it comes to being an entrepreneur when you're first starting out you don't know this like oh Mm -hmm. you just deal with them like i deal with other things or whatever when you deal with stuff like this or anything in regards to entrepreneur you have to be on people you have to be on top of them you have to, if you are an introvert, like I am, you have to set that aside and be the bully because that's how you get things done. You know, you, you're not going to get anything done, you know, being laid back or cool or whatever. Um, and that was one of the mistakes that I learned um, was that I wasn't on top of it as much as I should have. Like, I should have been diving into the database. I should have been diving into the back end. I'm not, I'm not. Um, I'm not a, a coder by trade. My background is mm-hmm. i t, but I do understand I could read code, and if I sit there long enough, I can write something um And so I should have been more proactive about that. um So on to the next team. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: number two all right we went we went through spanish now we we're, we're gonna do French Portuguese.
1: So we, we traveled to India and okay, we went
0: to India.
1: And so the thing about thing about working with um, people from India is that their English is different than ours.
0: Mm-hmm. And the,
1: the way that they perceive context and like if you tell them you know, if you tell them certain things they take it very, very literally.
0: Yep, you have to be like super direct and I found this out also by outsourcing to yeah. other countries. They, um, especially like Asian countries, you have to be really like, I want this red. You can't say, oh, that would look nice red. You know, yeah, yeah. You have to say, this must be red. Um, and it's just because of like culture barriers and like language barriers. It's like they're in, in their culture, it's more, if you say this, you mean just this. Not, oh, should I explore it? Should I, you know, take it apart, put it back together? It's no, it's more like, this is what it is. That's, you know, an apple is an apple. It can't be a fruit salad or anything else. It's just the apple is the apple. So, yeah.
1: yeah, they um they don't really do well with improvising, which is what yeah. we as Amer- like we, I guess we as Americans, um, we're we're used to improvising, or rather, we as entrepreneurs, we're used to improvising. So yeah. if something doesn't work right, the first way, like you know we you know, we finagle it, we yeah. try to figure it out. um, with them. Listen, <laughs> they will it's just again
0: culture differences really really boils down to that. <laughs>
1: Listen, they will give you a straw with more than two holes in it, <laughs> so and they don't care. Um, and so I learned that the hard way more than twice actually. Um, oh gosh! Yeah, <laughs> because it's like the issue that was happening was they would make mistakes and then they don't want me to pay them to make to fix the mistake. Uh, and, you know, the ego in me was like, um, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> I made a mistake, I'm not dealing with that. Um, and so I went through a lot, you know, working through um, different Indian teams, a team from Pakistan as well, they the same. Um, you know, they don't want to fix errors that they make. Like, they made an error, like you write out something and they misinterpret it and they do something else and tell them like, hey, you gotta fix this because this doesn't make sense what you did. They like, now we're charging you extra and yeah. Yeah,
0: I've heard that I've heard that similar situation in a, in a couple of folks. I think what's behind that is even though, you know, it was their error to pay whoever's in the office or the team or whoever's doing it to go back and fix it. Because they're so like, this is you know, once you've done it, you've done it, they have to then repay that person or add more income or whatever it might be. So they're saying, if we're gonna have to suck that cost, you're gonna have to yes. also, yeah, um, yeah. And they feel, and, and, and it's just like a because of the cheapness of the labor, it works with a lot of clients. They're like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna just pay you another 100, 200, 300, whatever it may be, um, to do it over again. But you're right, it should, you know, that shouldn't be happening, so that's yeah. definitely. I, I have seen a trend like
1: that. Yeah. Because I mean like over here, if we if we're contracted to do something and we make a mistake, you know, let's say we, <laughs> let's say we did a flyer and we misspelled something on the flyer. Listen, you know already, you know that um you you have to refix it. You know, there's no um,
0: Or you gotta pay for all those flyers to be re-delivered and you end up, you know, let's say you charge hundred dollars for them flyers to be done. Now you're you're paying the, the client two three hundred dollars to fix the error that you made yep. or you will get sued and
1: it's just a, <laughs> that is a whole different literally, yeah. world over here. yeah so like you know the thing is like you can't even go pay for a flight to go talk to people over there. It's just like it just doesn't make any sense so um, yeah th- those were the, the issues that I had with um, with that period. And also another platform I had developed as well was a marketplace that tracked the depreciation rate of electronic devices and then okay. would allow you to buy and sell those devices using cryptocurrency. Um,
0: Fancy! Yeah.
1: So like, those stuff is like, it's still there. Um, mm-hmm. But like, what ended up happening is that I met up with um, in the midst of developing these things, I met up with, um, with a friend of mine. And he was like, you know, he was trying to do some stuff with Forex. He was trying to um, come up with this algorithm to, um, to do Forex trading. And he ran it by me. And I was like, OK, this is cool. But to be frank, this is a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why it's a waste of time is that your gains are so minuscule in comparison to what you get in cryptocurrency. He's like, what's that? And I said, like, you know, check it out. Uh, I explained it to him really briefly. And then he went home, he checked it out, and maybe like two days later, he was like, I'm all in. Let's let's do this. <laughs> so, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so we went to him um, we went to a couple of meetups, and we went to one of um, Christine's uh, meetups. Christine, uh, the so front? Yeah, Sofra, the team, yeah. Okay. We went yeah, to one cool. of her meetups, and that's how we met uh, one of our other partners. And um, he's a gentleman by the name of Earl, real cool guy. Uh, we told him what we, what we wanted to work on, and he was like, listen, I'm in. And he he brought in his partner from um from South Africa, and we um uh, we did what we had to do. We got everything together, and we got into Quake. And Quake is an what is Quake?
0: If you want to tell folks really
1: quickly, what is Quake? So Quake is an accelerator. Um, it's not an incubator. It's a it's an accelerator in in New York City. And what they do is um they basically allow companies to they they bring companies in, they invest in them and they help them, you know, scale. So we got into Quake um on an algorithm, a trading algorithm that Steve developed. And it was coming along pretty well, but then the market slid <laughs> and there's just a whole bunch of like stuff going on. And so um while we were working on that, myself and a couple of, um, a couple of engineers, junior engineers, we developed Pouch. So I developed the, the UI of um, very crude, and they developed <laughs> they developed the other aspects of it. And we got it working in like, I'll probably say about eight weeks, six to eight weeks
0: congrats that is that's like lightning fast. yeah, that's so good fast. yeah. yeah. i guess because you said you had like the algorithm from beforehand so it was really just putting it into the product
1: no so we didn't put we didn't put that into it at all um we developed oh, wow. it we did a, we developed it from absolute pretty much absolute scratch um we had to figure out how to um <laughs> so like in regards to cryptocurrency just sending um units from one wallet to another it's an incredible mm-hmm. amount of science or, or math behind it um and we had to we had to learn all that um, there's a lot of learning things on the fly <laughs> um, but we got it done and then we sent it to another dev team to clean it up for us and okay. you know fast forward to now and right now we're raising again nice all
0: right so i remember um in our pre conversation you were mentioning um, one of the misadventures was when you're, you saw money in your account from investors so in the past couple projects that you launched where did that money come from you know you said you hired like whole like three to four development teams where was that funding coming from
1: <laughs> from, from the bottom of my lint filled pocket
0: oh okay <laughs> Alright, so you were bootstrapping, right? Was, bootstrapping with no boots like how how, how was that adventure like you know I hear a lot of people talk about oh I don't have enough money to start a business or you know I don't I'm not making enough Talk a little bit more about how you made the money happen to pursue the projects that you wanted to pursue
1: So when people say they don't have money mm-hmm. unless, unless you're living on the street
0: not even, you can put a little hat out on the subway,
1: yeah. do a little dance. <laughs> listen, I saw this guy on the subway. He did his little rap and he got like about a good $20, $40 mm-hmm. in a span of like five minutes. In one cart. Yeah, in one, car. in one cart. In one cart. So, OK. Listen. OK. Um, <laughs> you know, when you look at the store of Airbnb, these guys, they did, um, uh, they did the, the cereal. And that's mm-hmm. how we raise money for, you know, towards Airbnb. So in regards to bootstrapping, this came entirely out of my pocket from my work. So I have an, I have an apartment, I have a car. I wasn't making a lot of money, but every little bit of money that I had, um, every time I would break a 20, the change, I would save that every time I broke a 50. The change I would save that I'd break a uh, hundred, mm-hmm. I'd save the change from that. Um, <clears throat> I had a friend of mine. Um, you know, one day yeah. I couldn't I couldn't go to the bank, and she brought all my money like I had bundles <clears> of <throat> cash to bring it to the bank in a pocket <clears throat> so I could pay the developers, and then pay my lawyers as well um, towards the patent and, and IP. So you know, you have to sacrifice. I mean, I could have been balling, you know. I exactly, had- with your Gucci
0: shoes and your product yeah. bags and your, Listen, your cool Jordans, you know. Ha-
1: I could have been supremed out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could have had Jordans and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I could have had really nice clothes, but you know, I sacrificed it so that, um, you know, that I could invest in myself or invest in my future. I think, I think it paid off if I had to go back and do it again. Um, I'd be a little bit more more wiser um, or more, um, I'd be a little bit more involved, a lot more involved and you know, I would, you know, I would, I'll definitely be more involved. So I was involved, but when I say more involved, mean to say, you call instead of calling these people up once every two, three days you call them up once every day. You know, you do your checks, you know, you make sure you have your milestones. Um, If they're not, you know, doing what they're supposed to do, peace, move on to the network. Um, Amen. (laughs) Amen. You know, there's something that um, I've heard that you should always be hiring or like you're always looking for new people to come on board, you know? Um, Hire slow. Fire fast, in a sense. Um, so, like, I would have, I would have done all that. I mean, there's certainly some um, mistakes I had made. Um, like, even though I knew better, you know, sometimes you, you know, friends, people, whatever, you get into MLMs, multi-level marketing, because they <laughs> they promise that you're gonna make like, you know, twenty thousand dollars in a month. Because mm-hmm. whatever and uh, I should have known better. Um i wasted time and money on that while doing this business because I was thinking, well, you know, if I have to have that going on in the background, that can help fund this. Nope. You gotta um you can't really divide your money like that unless you're like putting it in this in stocks or cryptocurrency. Yeah, like a strong I stock. Think,
0: and I think yeah, I think what a lot of people fail to 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 <clears throat> hear or to understand is like you know, I know some people that have done the MLM, ML, MLM's and they're very successful. And I hear people that do them and it's like, sucks. But what people forget is that they think, okay, I can do this part-time two, three hours a week or whatever. That's like a whole nother full-time job, yeah. like beyond full-time. It's like you're working 80 hours a week to get those numbers. And those people that go ham and go crazy, they get that result. And then they try to sell you up on that result, that, that, that idea that you could get there by you know, with limited hours, but it's not real. You know, if you have you have a hundred percent to give, and if you're giving forty percent to your work, your job, another forty percent to your business, you know, ten fifteen percent to your regular everyday life, you only got five percent left, and you're trying to start something else. So just realizing that, and not, you know, expecting fast returns. Right. This has been a long term coming, but it does come. But you just ha- as you were mentioning was like the the baby to adult kind of um idea is like you have to start you got to start off by being born first then you have to like crawl hold your neck up even before you're crawling hold your neck up then you start crawling and you start walking and it's like a transitional phase but you'll get there eventually if you stay persistent and that's really what I love about your story is that your persistence is is really key to your success like now you know you got checks coming in first you were the ones you were, you were the one pushing out the money and like making all the, the sacrifices, you're still making sacrifices, but now, you know, that hard work and that dedication that you put in is paying off. And now, you know, you're going to the bank and you're seeing, you know, deposits being made, right?
1: Yeah, well, that, that was really interesting. I had um, never seen that before. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm hoping that in the next couple of months, I end up seeing it again. You know, um, cause we're trying to do another raise, um, or we're in a raise right now. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting because, like, you know, you have to, you just have to be persistent. And the other thing too that, um, you know, and on back onto the MLM thing, you know, not knocking at anything, but people really have to understand that it's not your business. You, Say
0: it again. It's if, not your business. It's not
1: your business. You are a sales associate. You know, like when you start a business, you have to file paperwork. You have to set up a corporation, set up a bank account. You know, you have to. You may have IP, intellectual property that you may want to file as well. Like all that stuff. Like you know, you have to go through. It. With the MLM, it's all packaged up. You don't. You don't own any of that. You know. <laughs> You know, so that's something that, you know, I think people should really understand that if you're building something, don't sacrifice it for that, Mm -hmm. you know, like build it, like just go through it, you know, when you hear, like when you look at like all these different stories of different entrepreneurs, even like the complex series, um, the complex series, they, they interviewed Bobby hundreds and a whole bunch of like different guys like mm-hmm. and their stories are coming up like you know they made sure that they tried to build something so i guess what i'm trying to get at is that every endeavor that i've attempted i've always tried to build something that, um, that's just going to last you know and that's big i like big ideas i like <laughs> i like swinging for the fences so like with, with that period it was about disrupting television not just here in the u.s but globally globally um, yeah when it comes to tech markets it's not just about creating a marketplace it's about creating a marketplace that will rival that of ebay and amazon you know um think of like a bigger version of stock x but not mm-hmm. for speakers, Not for. Yeah
0: just so repeat
1: that again so just say think of a bigger version and then go from there okay think of a bigger version of stock x but not for sneakers but rather for electronics um and you know that uses that accepts global currency um and in regards to um no capital and pouch we're trying to go up against or try to be the first um first to market in regards to an accounting software that will rival Waves and zero and QuickBooks whatever else um that that's going to set the industry standard. So like I've always tried to always try to swim for the for the fences.
0: The big ideas. And you were saying rival. What if one of these companies come along and they're like, Hey, we love what you're doing, we have an offer to acquire your com- acquire pouch. Would you be open to something like that? Or do you feel it's important to kind of own you know long-term just have it be under like the no capital umbrella
1: it depends um we've spoken about it um the partners and I we've spoken about like you know if someone were to offer to buy us what would we do mm-hmm. And we said yeah however I, <laughs> I have been offered um it's a funny story and I think it was kind of in I think he was kind of serious. He was kind of serious, kind of not, but he was really testing me. So in regards to that period, um, in regards to that period, we were offered a million dollars. What? I'm
0: talking to millionaires. Go
1: ahead. From from a VC. um, And I said no. And it felt like, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever watched or read the book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've read it, but I've never said no to a million
0: dollars, but go ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah. And there's a part in the book where, um, Robert and his friend and rich dad, rich dad is offering them money, like um, an hourly wage. And he keeps mm-hmm. upping it and upping it and upping it. And eventually like the boys are like, nah, like this doesn't make any sense. Anyhow. The guy he offered me two million dollars, and I said no, nah, I couldn't do it. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he, he offered, and I think he was really testing me to see like what kind of like how I think
0: commitment.
1: You know, um, but then um, he brought us he brought us into um, into a meeting, and uh, my partner. On that venture, um, she just wasn't comfortable comfortable with the terms. And wow. I wasn't comfortable with the terms, even though it's like we need this money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we walked away from it.
0: I feel like I feel like that story right there is something that people should really hear and listen to because sometimes you know, i've i've taken this i i felt that it's in the past like taking the first offer that came you have to one realize like what are the pros and cons where's my project or idea going to end up and like the holistic view of the the benefits of taking this money because money sounds nice you know who doesn't want a million or two million dollars but what's the real sacrifices or circumstances surrounding this decision and you know i'm proud of you guys for you know, looking at like all the clauses and reading the, the small print and really making a decision that made sense for the both of you. Yeah. He, um, so, you know, kudos to you. And that's, you know, and more people should do that. Like really think about the long term. Cause I've seen people, you know, sell their companies or their products or ideas, again, after the same. Where it's like afterwards, I'm like, mm, maybe that wasn't the best idea or the best decision. So, you know, you live and you learn, but you know, good job for, for making that choice that made sense, the most sense to you guys.
1: You know, um, I don't know if you heard this on, um the Solange album, A Seat at the Table, um, Master P talks about that. So how someone had offered him a million dollars for the record label. And his brother was hounding him, like, take the money, take the <laughs> money. And he said, if this guy's going to give me this amount of money, what am I really worth?
0: Exactly.
1: You know? Exactly. Uh, and that, matter of fact, that crap was running through my mind the whole time I'm sitting in this, I'm sitting in this meeting with this guy and he just, he just happened to bring his lawyer and he didn't tell us he was going to bring his lawyer and Nikki, she's sitting um, next to me and she's like, like,
0: Oh,
1: this is serious. Yeah, this is serious. <laughs> like, re- like, you're really trying to close this deal like right now. And he wanted 60% of the company, and he was going to give us money, he was going to give us a lot, he was going to give us a good amount of money, not a million, but he was going to give us a good amount of money, um, but like, we just, we just couldn't do it, you know?
0: Yeah, kudos to you guys for making the best decision that was right for you um I'd like to start wrapping up now you know I really really appreciate you being here with me today and talking about you know the adventures and misadventures of entrepreneurship because oftentimes especially right now in 2018 and like the global ecosystem entrepreneurship is looked at as like this sexy thing you know I want to be an entrepreneur I'm gonna launch my business I'm gonna be a millionaire take this like there's so much like clutter out there and for those that are you know entre- real entrepreneurs I don't want to knock anybody's path but it's like for us that are out there hustling grinding and then waking up to negative 61 dollars in our accounts and like we're busting our butts it feels like kind of shitty because it's like am i not working hard enough am i doing all the wrong things but you're actually doing all the right things so this program this web, web series that i started the it's to really just uncover the truths behind it, right? Show the real, raw, authentic entrepreneur what it really looks like, so that way the kid that's out there, you know, been busting his butt for the last year, two years, doesn't feel the need to quit because some other kid that launched like a sneaker, like a clothing line, is now making like six figures because of some random partnership. He has to understand that that was that person's path, and his path or her path is completely different. You gotta respect the process on this. You just gotta respect the process. It's gonna be high like this sometimes, it's gonna be low down to the floor, like, oh my God, I wanna quit. But just, you know, as for, from your story, just be persistent, just keep going. Um, What are any last words you'd wanna leave the audience for today?
1: Um, Raise your risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we, um, we overestimate, or we over in our mind, the consequences of the risk that we're gonna be taking. And it's like, you know, sometimes you 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 end up being that little kid screaming in the, you know, the two foot deep water. It's like, you're not gonna drown. This is gonna happen to you. Just try and swim, just figure it out, you know? Um, yeah. So oftentimes, and you know, for a lot, a lot of people, um, you know, our backgrounds, our childhoods, our whatever plays a part into that. But sometimes yeah. we have to we have to really suspend that and really try to um, see the bigger picture of what we're trying to go for, you know, and just raise your risk tolerance.
0: All right, you guys heard it here from Corey, raise your risk tolerance. Thank you so, so much again, Corey, for taking the time out to be here on the Doing The Most web series, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Thank you very much, Georgie. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.